Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Alifia Health First Quarter Results Call. At this time, all participant lines are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be an analyst question and answer session. If you are an analyst and would like to ask a question at that time, you will need to press star than one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference may be recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star than zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Nicholas Bergamini, Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, uh, and thank you for joining us on the call today. Um, uh, joining me is our CEO, Jeffrey Benick, and CFO, Benjamin Ferdinand. This morning, Alicia Health filed on CDAR's unaudited consolidated financial statements and notes thereto for the quarter ended March 31st, 2020, which have been prepared in accordance with IFRS standards. Um, the associated management discussion and analysis as well. All comments to be made on this call today should be taken with reference to and are qualified in their entirety by these documents. Please note that this call contains forward-looking statements or information and reflects the company's current expectations, estimates, projections, assumptions, and beliefs about future events and financial trends that may uh, that they believe may affect the company's financial condition, results of operations, business strategy, and financial needs. By their nature, forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors that may cause our actual results, performance, or achievements, or other future events to be materially different from any future events, performance, or achievements expressed or implied by such forward-looking statements. Given these risks and uncertainties, Shareholders and prospective purchasers of the company's securities should not place any undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. Further, any forward-looking statement speaks only as of the date on which such statement is made, and except as required by applicable law, the company undertakes no obligation to update any forward-looking statement to reflect events or circumstances after the date on which such statement is made. This call also contains non-IFRS financial performance measures, which the company uh, Belize provides users with relevant information uh, regarding operational performance. These measures are not recognized or defined under IFRS, and as a result, they may not be comparable to the data presented by competitors. I'll now hand it over to CEO Jeffrey Benick. Jeff, over to you. Thank you, Nick. And on behalf of Alifia Health Team, I'd like to thank our stakeholders for joining us today. Before we begin, I'd like to recognize three board members we're departing Alifia at the end of this week. Our Chairman Julian Fantino and Directors Raf Sokar and Bill Stewart. All three have played a significant role in Alifia from the earliest days, and I'd like to thank them for their contributions. Julian has often said that when the business began, it was without a telephone and an office. But what resonates with me about this story is that the days with no office and telephone was only three years ago. We've come a long way since then, so thank you to Julian Raff and Bill. And joining our board are two outstanding new directors, Glenn Washer and Rhonda Lawson. 
each brings unique executive and board level experience in the pharmaceutical, healthcare, and insurance industries, which will be invaluable to us in our future growth. This was, for many reasons, a breakthrough quarter for Alethea Health. I'd like to look back in time to put things in perspective. In Q1 2018, we generated $83,000 in revenue. In Q1 2019, revenue was $1.5 million. And in Q1 2020, that number has further exponentially increased to $14.6 million. While this is just a starting point for us, it's, an excite, it's exciting to see this dynamic growth in our young company. This was our fifth consecutive quarter of record revenue and our second consecutive quarter of positive adjusted EBITDA and our first quarter of positive cash flow from operations. And yesterday's news really begins a new chapter for our business. Over the last 18 months, we've been simultaneously building out three unique production facilities. In the last two months, we received the necessary licenses for all of them. Our team has done a great job in removing the license roadblocks. Now it's all about execution. This quarter really speaks to the power of our low-cost cultivation advantage. Our gross margin on cannabis revenue was 85%, which is, we believe, the best among the best in the industry. While many of our peers operate expensive, oversized greenhouses, we used our second mover advantage to accelerate our growth through outdoor cultivation. We look forward to building on the 13,000 kilograms produced on 13 acres in 2019. But that's only one side of the coin. Our goal has always been to couple low-cost cultivation with high margin value added production at large scale. We've only seen the tip of the iceberg in our potential in that regard, but we've turned the corner with the license of our Paris Phase II expansion, which is by far our most important facility. The expanded Paris facility is a state-of-the-art and purpose-built to meet EU GMP standards. Senior members of our team have spent their entire careers in EU GMP production, and their expertise will be essential as we look forward to, to gain market access to the EU. Our application for inspection has already been submitted, the German regulatory authorities. On the more near-term horizon, Paris allows us to rapidly scale up the extraction, production, and packaging of our existing product portfolio while bringing new products to the market. To put things in perspective, our incredible team may do with only 2,500 square feet of processing, packaging, and extraction area in the legacy Paris building to 20,000 square feet in the expanded building. This means greater breadth of formats, greater scale and automation, and ultimately, bigger margins as we leverage all of these new advantages. Paris was also the milestone we needed to hit to give us a clear path to launching Cannabis 2.0 products. We agree with certain analysts' commentary that offering a portfolio of differentiated new cannabis product formats will be essential to our success. Over the course of the second half of 2020, We'll be introducing a series of new formats, including sublingual strips, vapes, candies, and additional derivative formats. Our goal is to have some of these in market in Q3 and others in Q4. We expect to have a clear picture in the coming weeks on if there will be any supply chain disruptions due to COVID-19, which might delay the delivery of certain machinery and hardware. 
and we look forward to providing our full product rollout plan in very short order. Finally, I'll touch on a couple of projects that our team is particularly proud of. Our newly launched medical cannabis direct-to-door service and our transition to 100% virtual clinic consultation. Assured home delivery has been long in the works, but following the needs of our patients in these unprecedented times, we launched early. Assured home delivery is now available in nearly the entire greater Toronto area, home to 9 million people, and we will begin servicing the final communities next week. With the investments we made over the last two years in virtual clinic services, we have been able to quickly transition to completing 100% of our physician-led patient consultations remotely following this temporary voluntary closure of our physical clinic location. Now, our impatients can see a physician in the morning, order medical cannabis, and then have it delivered to their home that same day. I'll now pass it over to our CFO, Benjamin Ferdinand. Thanks, Jeff. It's good speaking to you all this morning. This quarter really demonstrates our differentiated health and wellness strategy in action as our team executes. Our ecosystem strategy has high barriers to entry and provides a defendable long-term competitive advantage relative to our peers. We are razor focused on having one of the highest margins in the business, the right cost controls, disciplined capital allocation, and relentless execution. This quarter demonstrated our strategy in action. In Q1, we saw the continued trend of five quarters of record revenue growth, the second consecutive quarter of positive adjusted EBITDA, and the first quarter of positive cash flow from operations all significant milestones for us. Much of the attention will be on revenue growth, but equally important to us is our focus on cost discipline. Again, we've seen operational expenses and SG&A remain tightly controlled while we scale revenue and demonstrate the operational leverage in our business model. Our team believes that we must continue to do more with less. Now we will look to the income statement. We're very pleased to see solid top line growth. Our Q1 revenue was $14.6 million. The key driver of that was that cannabis revenue increased by 183% over the previous quarter and over 2,400% over the prior year's quarter. Our Q1 adjusted EBITDA was $6.4 million, or a very strong 44% adjusted EBITDA margin. The net loss for accounting purposes was $6.2 million compared to $9.8 million loss in the previous quarter. However, this was largely due to non-cash items, including depreciation and amortization, and a $6.2 million non-cash expense based on fair value of inventory sold in the period. For those not as familiar with IFRS, this is not an inventory write-down. This recognizes the fact that there was an increase in value to the cannabis crop while the crop was still growing, then balances out as an expense when the corresponding portion of the crop is sold. Next, I'll turn to our balance sheet. On Monday, we announced a bought deal offering that, upon closing, will add an additional $13 million to our cash position. We said that in Q4 we would prioritize non-dilutive financing, but we had a great opportunity to raise capital in a very difficult global economic environment, so we took advantage of the opportunity. We view this moderately sized capital raise as very prudent. It provides us with substantial security during a time of global economic uncertainty 
along with the ability to take advantage of growth opportunities should they arrive. arise. With regards to cash flow, we generated our first quarter of positive cash flow from operations. This is a major milestone for our firm and the cannabis industry. Cash flow used in investing activities was $7.9 million, which was entirely due to the acquisition of property, plants, and equipment. This included the payment of construction holdbacks for already completed work at the Paris facility and Niagara facility. The company also further invested in additional infrastructure at the Port Perry facility to manage the 2020 outdoor cultivation harvest, along with the purchase of planting and harvesting equipment. Investments were also made in new production machinery, primarily for new cannabis 2.0 product formats. With regards to capital expenditures going forward, the figure will be lower in Q2 compared to Q1. Our remaining capital expenditures for the year will be focused on machinery and equipment for outdoor harvest and 2.0 products. Next, we'll look at cannabis segments. Our medical, our medical cannabis revenue declined by 21%, but this was due to a decline in international sales. They're included in our medical cannabis revenue segment. With regards to Canadian medical cannabis sales, they remain flat quarter over quarter. As we previously guided in our Q4 earnings, we had some substantial supply challenges that led to inventory shortages for top-selling medical SKUs at the beginning of the year. I'm happy to report that since March, these SKUs are all back in stock and we have strong inventory of medical cannabis products. The result was our best ever medical cannabis sales month in March, followed by an even stronger April and another new record. On another positive note on the, in the medical space, our active registered patients increased to 11,000 at quarter's end and surpassed 12,000 just yesterday. This is an increase of over 1,000 patients in just six weeks, a strong validation of our business model from our patients in challenging times. Our adult use revenue increased, although not at the same pace as our overall cannabis sales growth. Part of this was due to us ramping up inventory for adult use and we are now in the process of building out adult use inventory. We will soon be launching one of the most competitively priced, high quality, high value CBD oils available in Canada through our adult use distribution network. However, with very low cost outdoor cannabis as input material, our margins on these products should remain strong. Operator, over to you. Thank you. As a reminder, if you are an analyst and would like to ask a question at this time, please press star then one on your telephone. Again, that is star then one if you would like to ask a question. Our first question comes from the line of Graham Krindler with 8 Capital. Your line is now open. Yeah, hi, good morning, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, I just wanted to start off um, with respect to uh, either on a top line or a kilogram basis, would you be able to provide um, what the split was there in the segments in terms of uh, medical, adult use, and wholesale? Yeah, when uh, when you look at kilogram kilograms sold, uh, the total kilograms sold for this quarter uh, was uh, was approximately five thousand uh, kilograms sold um, with the split. 
um, a, a substantial portion being uh, being wholesale, um, you know, followed next by by medical and adult use. And we can follow up with the with the specific details. Okay, thanks. So with respect to you know thinking through the the remainder of 2020, um, how do you expect you know relative to what the split was like in this quarter? How do you expect that? Time? Would you expect that? A larger proportion becomes adult use, and and what you know, if we were to look sort of towards the end of the year, where would you envision um, the largest segment being at that point? Yeah, we don't provide specimen being at that point. Yeah, we don't provide specific guidance, but but what we can say is, you know, when we think about our our, our medical division, it continues to ramp up as we have inventory and as we highlighted our patient growth remains strong and we balance our, our medical and adult use segments with our uh, with our wholesale business and as you uh, as you've seen with our execution last year on outdoor and as we expect to have uh, this year um, you know, we will have a large uh, a large opportunity to have a, of a significant amount of, of product from outdoor and we will be you know opportunistically looking to you know the key thing being you know, putting that those sales revenues through our medical international and, and adult use but there will be an opportunity for us to sell wholesale uh, based on based on discussions that we're having and what we're seeing in the market so I don't have a, a specific split but we will do uh, what we can to to maximize you know the the you know revenue profit potential for our shareholders Okay, thanks. And then to follow up with respect to the the outdoor facility, what sorts of, of strains or what sorts are in here? Um, can you provide products you're going to be looking to to plant there? You know, there's going to be strains that are heavier on the CBD side, as you mentioned that product launch earlier on the call. Or are you looking for something that's higher potency THC side to supplement into the adult use market? What what are you guys doing there from a demand planning perspective to make sure that you have the uh, the optimal range of uh, biomass? So we've uh, really taken a uh, a lot of uh, uh, lessons from our playbook last year in terms of outdoor, in terms of strains. And as everyone knows, we had a really successful outdoor harvest uh, in 2019, and we've taken a lot of that data to uh, to uh, uh, help us uh, determine which strains we are going to plant this year. And, and obviously, one of the big uh, in uh, the format, the 2.0 format. They're, uh, they're uh, uh, going to be rolling out in Q3, Q4. So, uh, you know, we're uh, obviously there'll be three uh, kind of formats. There'll be a, a high THC, a high CBD, and obviously a balanced. And, uh, you know, in terms of distribution right now, as Ben mentioned, uh, we are looking at a, a, you know, a number of uh, uh, wholesale opportunities as well as our medical channel. So typically with medical, uh, you know, the balanced and the uh, – uh, and the CBD are, are strong, uh, uh, strong contributors to that. And also with our 2.0 format, uh, THC will play a big role in that as well. So in terms of the uh, distribution, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, uh, again, to Ben's point, we don't give guidance, but uh, I could tell you to be a cross-section of all three, uh, three strains. Okay, thanks. And then my final question here, um, as Paris uh, you know, the phase two there begins to ramp up and you're going to launch some products uh, into the second half of the year. Are you expecting any sort of 
initial margin headwind as you work through the first couple batches of those products um, and and how might that uh, how might that differ from sort of the traditional margins you're seeing uh, on your derivative products thanks yeah that, that's a good question I, I think you know you know because it'll it'll be we're going to be very focused on 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 investing the resources in in 2.0 you know, to to align with the revenue. So, and as, as the ramp up will be at a at a reasonable pace. You know, we don't expect there to be you know significant margin you know decreases. You know, thanks to 2.0. Uh, that said, there there could be some, but you know, but but our our focus is is we're going to have a a balanced portfolio. Uh, where we'll have uh, have have a the goal of a of a good margin profile across all. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Vivian Azer with Cowan and Company. Your line is now open. Thank you. Good morning. Um, in terms of the the patient growth that you that you saw in the quarter, can you comment on how trends have evolved subsequent to the quarter, up to to the extent that there is any kind of discernible impact, positive or negative, negative from COVID? Thanks. Thanks, Vivian. Uh, yeah, for for us, our, our this our business model has always been dynamic and and prepare, prepared for scenarios like this. So our our business model has physical clinics, but we've also been been working on virtual clinics and virtual con doctor consultations for two years now. So for us, as the as we recognize uh, the impacts of COVID becoming more more severe, we proactively um, you know you uh, did not allow any physical um, physical uh, meetings with our doctors are coming into our clinics, so we switched within 24 hours to to uh, to 100% virtual, and we did not miss uh, not miss a beat. And, and as you highlighted, you know, over past six weeks, our model has has continued to demonstrate our ability to to execute with you know with over uh, over 4,000 patient visits and over. Um, you know, and over a, a thousand new patients that have come through. So our, our business model has executed very well and, and has played very well into uh, into the, the the global market turbulence. Hey, that's, I'd, that's I'd like great. to add, I'd like to add to that as well, Vivian. So you know, our uh, assured home delivery is really a game changer. It's convenient and it's contactless. So I just want to walk you through our process, right? So you know, uh, a patient now can be seen heard and scripted at 9 a.m., registered by 10, and had their delivery the same day. And we think that, uh, you know, that's not only convenient, but also contactless in this, uh, uh, in this environment, of, uh, environment of unprecedented time with COVID. And ultimately, uh, you know, we think it's a game changer. And as we continue to build out our logistics capability, we're going to be able to offer this service 24-7. No matter what time of the day, what time of the night, we will be uh, uh, being able to offer this service. That's great. Thank you for that that incremental color. And then just to, to follow up on that, it's a little bit in line with with Graham's question earlier. But you know, given um, how successful you've been in transitioning um, to to contactless um, patient um, engagement. 
relative to kind of your pre-COVID expectations entering the year, are, are you more constructive on the potential for, you know, the business mix to skew towards medical than you were pre-COVID? Thanks. So we think that there's a tremendous amount of value and a tremendous amount of opportunity still in the medical channel. And, uh, you know, we, we think that within the, uh, you know, regulatory challenges of adult use and, and the inconvenience, sorry, the convenience that, you know, uh, has truly still been an inconvenience in adult use uh, to the slow rollout and deployment of, of uh, retail stores, uh, we truly believe that, uh, that, that, you know, with Assured, our contactless, convenient delivery, uh, we see a tremendous amount of upside opportunity for us to continue to add a tremendous amount of patients uh, that uh, we're either self-medicating uh, through the adult uh, use channel through convenience, uh, now looking at Assured and our logistics supply chain capabilities and, and not to mention all our formats and our abilities to provide a great contactless convenient service we see a tremendous opportunity uh, in the medical channel on an ongoing basis. Understood. Thanks so much for the caller. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Raul Sarugasar with Raymond James. Your line is not open. Raul, if your line is on mute, please unmute your line. Sorry about that. Thank you for that. I apologize. Um, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my question, Jen. Um, so my question is somewhat philosophical. Uh, I, you know, given given Alicia's uh, dominance in the medical channel, um, and of course given the cost of goods uh, you know, and potential for dominance in the wholesale channel, my question really is around cannabis 2.0. We're seeing in the early days here that uh, you know even some of the you know most um, well-developed producers are, are you know, struggling with cost of goods, and given that your you know strategy is primarily to work uh, you know, with uh, external partners and external IP, um, how do you see this fitting in with your broader philosophy of being a medical-focused producer with real advantages in two of the three primary channels? Uh, and, and maintaining those margins in those channels as compared to what may be compressed margins in Cannabis 2.0 for yourself? Uh, that's a great question, Raul. Uh, <clears throat> so now that we have our Paris facility licensed, the clock has really begun you know, ticking out bringing new products to the market. Our focus will be on health and, and wellness-tailored formats, but we intend to bring these uh, to both the medical and adult use markets. So, look, it's too early to give exact timelines, um, but that sometimes we'll be looking uh, to do over the next coming weeks. Uh, but for starters, we'll be focusing on vapes, sublingual strips, and 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 uh, um, and candies. Uh, but we expect there will be more. Uh, um, yeah, but we're not ready to announce that yet. And we've been preparing for months with equipment ordered, formulations completed, and have built a large, uh, um, you know, built up large inventory of cannabis extract. Um, to be used and input material of new formats and immediate uh, use in the new facility. And now it's time for execution. And ultimately, you know, uh, in terms of our formulations, formulations, licensing agreements that we have, we truly save 
money, and time. And, you know, a second mover advantage, we always talk about this rule, but we are really not reinventing the wheel. You know, we are becoming, you know, asset light, uh, asset light, asset smart in terms of execution and really looking at, uh, you know, the first movers, picking up on some of the mistakes that they made. Uh, and 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 uh, in terms of investment, in terms of time, and you know, and, and unfortunately, some of the regulatory hurdles that uh, uh, are unplanned for. And in this environment, I can tell you from experience, is that you know, you, you it, it really depends on how fast you can pivot if you are a first mover. So being second mover, you get to learn from the mistakes, and ultimately, it translates into. Uh, uh, um, you know, time, uh, uh, saving of time and, and money. Uh, you know, when you have low input material like we do from our outdoor grow, uh, it really gives us a strong competitive advantage in market on the shelf. So as an example, you know, a 10 mil serving of chocolate for us, you know, our biggest cost, unfortunately, now will be packaging. And uh, so, you know, when packaging is trying to solve for not input material and format, I think that's a great problem to have. Uh, and, and some of the IP that do our uh, uh, relationships with, uh, 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 you know, our flying high brands that we're going to be rolling out, I think people uh, will see uh, how in market we can be very, very competitive and maintain very, very strong margin. Great, great. Thank you. Thank you for that color. And then just as a quick follow-up, um, one thing we have been seeing is uh, that, you know, wholesale markets, you know, while you know, while they're somewhat volatile, still quite volatile, are starting to stabilize a bit and, uh, you know, represent some sort of buffer for, you know, some of the lowest cost producers, uh, particularly as uh, adult use sales, you know, also are quite, continue to be quite volatile. How do you see, uh, you know, your customers shaping up, you know, in, in terms of wholesale? Are they primarily other LPs? Are they primarily extractors? And, and sort of how do you foresee the, uh, you know, the durability of, uh, of your revenue in the wholesale channel? So for for our business model, you know, it, it kind of goes back to you know you know, you know basic economics, and we view as as having a key strength as having the lowest cost. And and what we're able to do there is we can um, you know, leverage that as we work with our partners at scale and pricing. So so we are are very confident and and um, and, and 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 in our business model, which provides us the flexibility to have to work with, with, with any of our partners, as we've already demonstrated, with high-quality product, consistent product at scale so that our, 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 our partners know exactly what they're going to get at a price that makes sense. So, so as the wholesale market evolves, we view ourselves as very well positioned in, in any way it goes to be able to, to partner with our uh, with our uh, with our with our partners uh, in any way that works for them, and that that could be that could be extractors, it could be other licensed producers, it could be you know a lot of the players that want to get out of the, the this space because their cost structures are just too high and it's not sustain, uh, sustainable. We stand with our cost structure, uh, you know, ready to to take market share and really provide uh, a strong partner, you know, for for those that want to work with us. And, and Ben, I'd like to add to that as well, Raul. Uh, this is a scale operation. So 86 acres is, you know, potentially over 100,000 kilograms based on our results of last year. So this is large scale. We're not, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, growing, you know, 100 100 kilogram batches. 
uh, you know, we're, we're talking about you know hundreds of uh, hundred thousand uh, kilogram scale, uh, which is really attractive to, to someone that's running a scale business that will need scale product API uh, to uh, be able to uh, uh, you know uh, formulate, standardize, and and continue down the path of uh, some of their formats. Great, Jeff, Ben, and Nick, thanks so much for taking my questions. I'll follow it off there. Thank you. This concludes today's question and answer session. I would now like to turn the call back to Jeff Bennett for closing remarks. Yes, uh, thank you, Operator, and, and uh, thank you to everyone for joining us. Uh, we're excited about the future. And on behalf of the Alifia Health Team, wishing you all the best to you and your families. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.